welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve an instant. Figured I'll need a microphone if I'm going to talk to you guys today. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Will you take a moment and give it up for your pastors, Pastor Landon and Stacy? Y'all are amazing. They're so great. Thank you. They're awesome. I really do like them a lot. I like them. Their kids are involved in every sport, um, which is super awesome. Basketball, soccer, everything. Y'all are just doing it all. That's what I'm going to do with my kid as well. I'm going to have that dude playing water polo and everything. He's going to be in, involved in all of it. And so I'm excited about being here at Cedar House Church. You guys are awesome. I am from Bethany Church. I, um, my wife and I, we pastor there. Um, we're executive pastors there at Bethany. We also um, pastor the campus in Baker. That may be the one that you are familiar with. It's the first one that's there. And so we've been there. My wife is not here today um, because she's at our campus and transitioning, doing everything so I can be here today. And um, my little boy is there with her, and he is getting big and eating us out of house at home. Praise God. So please pray for us. We don't know what we're doing with parenting. We're just trying to keep the little dude alive. That's all we're trying to do. Um, so all is well. He's nine months old, and he's awesome. So we've done so far. So far, so good, man. Nine months, we're doing well. Um, so it's going to be great. Hey, I'm going to jump right in. I've was here uh, last year, and I was honored to be here, and I was so excited. And so the first time I was here, I was a visitor. Now I'm family, okay? Second time, I'm family. I feel like you guys are my cousins and my uncles and aunts, and so I'm just going to preach to you like we're family. Is that all right? Awesome. Let's pray, and then we're just going to jump right into the Word. So, God, we thank you for who you are. You're an amazing God. And, God, I pray, Father, that you would just speak through me. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to speak here at Cedar House Church. It's an amazing church, God. You've placed them here for a reason, God. You're touching so many lives. And God, I pray, Father, that you would use, use me to and speak clearly through me, God. And God, I thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We give you the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So Christmas Eve, I spoke a message back at our church about the title of the message was we can't stay here and what it was about was that you know in the christmas theme we were talking about um joseph and mary and i was thinking about the opportunity when they when they first had jesus and they had him in bethlehem but then the angel kept telling them to move to different places i don't know if you guys remember that part of the story he said now go to egypt now go to nazareth go back to egypt i want you to settle over here in nazareth just a bunch of different places that he was having to go and there has to be obedience there god had was speaking through to joseph and mary and i don't know about you but i don't I don't like to move a whole lot. I like to, to stay. I like once I get myself settled, I like to settle in a place. But the Lord spoke to me a prophetic word to our people that we can't stay here. And as I begin to think about that, there's another message that I'm going to preach to you today called Positioned for Progress. Positioned for Progress. And I'm going to speak to you on that today. Have you ever been stuck in the mud before like maybe got your truck or your car ever stuck in the mud yeah yeah i have it's you know some of you looking at me like hey that just happened yesterday you know this last week 
Yeah, you know it's it's a it's a big deal when you get stuck. I mean, there's there's got to be so many things that happen. You got to call somebody who's got a truck that can pull you out and get the chain and all those type of things. I remember us getting stuck. I remember a guy literally just got stuck on Bethany's property the other day, and there was twelve different trucks out there trying to get the guy out the ditch. Twelve different trucks. I, I don't even know why there was that many trucks. I mean, only one could pull them out, but there were so many different people out there. They were looking at it and doing all these type of things. It, it was crazy, but it was he was stuck, and he couldn't do anything. Uh, or have you ever been stuck in the doctor's office before? Oh, oh, how frustrating is that? All you got is those magazines and that music that they're playing, right? you just like, come on. You know, one time I got stuck on a roller coaster. Yeah, this is the honest God truth. We went to this big theme park, and it was this big roller coaster. And I remember going up the roller coaster. And I was a little nervous to even get on the thing anyway. But but we began to go up, and we was chick 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 chick. And all of a sudden, the thing began to spatter and sputter, and it was just chick 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 chick. And right up to the crest, it's, it just went. And I went, oh my God. And I looked around. And I'm thinking to myself, what? And we were too high for me to get out to climb back down. But but I started to think to myself, I'm going to die right up here in this roller coaster. Is this the way I'm going to lose my life on this roller coaster? And, and, and it's just it's frustrating when you're stuck. Come on, look at somebody and say, have you been stuck? Yeah, have you been stuck in traffic before? Come on, anybody know about traffic? Yeah, man. I'm not talking about just Baton Rouge traffic on the interstate. I'm talking about the traffic like when you're coming down 12 or 10 and it's just you at a complete stop. And you don't know what happened, right? It's just you, you're stuck. It's frustrating. But you know, for some people, that's where they're at in their life. They're stuck. They're stuck. I read a statistic that said that 69% of people feel trapped in their daily routine. Really, only three out of ten people really are kind of happy with their life is because most people feel like they're stuck. Same old thing, just the same old routine. You get up in the morning, you get the kids together, you get some cereal, you get them out the door, you go to work, you pick them up from school, you come back home, you take them to ball practice, whatever, and you're just doing the same thing over and over again, and, and you feel stuck. And, you know, I think that there's some people who are even stuck in certain habits. Maybe you're stuck in, in, in certain addictions and, and you feel like you can't get out of them. Or maybe there's some people in here today, maybe you've been stuck in depression. You've been working hard to try to get out of it. And even though the medication has been given to you, you still feel like you're stuck. Or maybe you're stuck in a codependent relationship where maybe you feel like, you know what, I, I, I want to get out of this thing, but I just feel stuck. Today, I feel like over the next 24 minutes, I believe that the Lord is going to begin to use me to teach you how to get unstuck. All right. And maybe you don't feel like you're, you're stuck, but maybe you can take this word and, and share it with somebody else who, who you know is stuck. Because even if you're not stuck, you know somebody who's stuck. Am I right? Yeah, we all know somebody who's stuck in a position. And so I'm going to try to help you today. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5. Verse 1, that's going to be our text for the day. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen. And we're going to read verse 1 through 11. So it's a good bit of text. But the reason I'm going to read this much is so you can really have an idea of the context of this story. 
It's the story of Simon, how he met Jesus. Verse 1 says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I can preach a whole message on that whole part if you say so. I've got a whole other message. Y'all may have to invite me back for that one. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other, other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. In this story, we see Simon at a place where he was stuck. Maybe he didn't even realize he was stuck, but he was. He was stuck. He was stuck in a place where he had fished all night, and, and, and he was at this place. They were washing their nets, and he was just frustrated. I can imagine he was, he was sitting there thinking, because this was his livelihood. He was a fisherman. When you don't catch fish, you don't make any money, right, if you're a fisherman. And so he was thinking to himself, man, I'm, I'm stuck. And, and Jesus comes along. And he begins to shift some things in Simon's life to help him get unstuck. We're going to take the lessons that we see in Peter's and Simon's life and begin to see how this thing shifts. We're going to apply it to our lives and we're going to get unstuck. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So the first thing that happens is that and the first thing that had to happen for Simon is that he had to change his priorities. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do is change your priorities. What's important? You see Simon here in this story, the Bible said that he's cleaning his nets over here. He's just working. Now over here, Jesus has got so many people and he's having this revival that's going on over here. But Peter's over here just cleaning his nets. Revival's happening here. People are crying in around Jesus. Peter's just clean, cleaning his nets. Just He's Simon. He's just over here cleaning his nets, not even paying attention what's going on. Because sometimes things that seem like a priority, and we get so caught up in things that we can miss what the real important thing is. I want you to catch this. Oftentimes we can get our priorities misappropriated and we begin to get them focused on something else when they should be here. Jesus was preaching to the crowds. He should have probably been focused more on what is this man doing? What is going on over here? Let me get a little bit closer to him. But he was focused on washing his nets. You know, oftentimes I see people get more focused on their hobbies. I see more people get focused on work. I see people get focused on other things more important than Jesus. 
And so, so the reason why you can't find them oftentimes is because every time hunting season opens up, boom, they're there. And listen, I, look, I, I know hunting is fun, but look, we can't put that above Jesus. Am I right? See, we can't allow work because sometimes I feel like some people, and this is what the Lord spoke to me this morning. There are some people who are stuck in their marriage. You feel like your marriage is not going where it should be. It's maybe because you have your priorities in the wrong place. Because you're working 70 hours a week, but you're spending two hours a week with your family. You understand what I'm talking about? Right? I knew I didn't, wouldn't get many amens right there, but it's okay. It's all right. Usually I bring my wife and she says amen and it's all good. But, but we have to work to be able to say, listen, because I know a lot of guys were thinking in mind, yeah, but I'm trying to provide for my family. Listen, I've got to have them in that big house. I've got to get all these things for my kids. But can I just tell you something? If you really ask your kid what they want, they want your time. They, they want your ear. They want you to be able to hold them. They want you to be able to be there for them. And you know what? If they don't have the new Jordans, I think they will be okay. Right? If they don't have the huge, huge house, and there's nothing wrong with having a huge house and a nice car and them having nice clothes, but the priority must be raising them up like they should be raised before God. Can somebody say amen? So how do we change our priorities? Well, first thing you have to do is reflect. What are your priorities right now? Begin to line them out. What do I put most of my time into? The second thing you should do is inspect those things. Do I have the right priorities? You know, all my actions lining up. Maybe I say that God is my priority, but am I spending time with him in the morning or am I just going to work and doing all the other things? Finally, the last thing I would say to you is that you should protect your priorities. Listen, if family is important to you, put a boundary around that family and say, you know what? I'm not going to allow anything to come between my family and God. You know, my wife and I, we have a boundary with our marriage. One of the things that we said that we would do is that after 930, I don't take phone calls from anybody, from anybody. And as a pastor, things are going on all the time. I mean, things are happening, people are, stuff is going on, and, and we pastor a, a large campus, and a lot of things are happening, but you know what, I always think to myself, you know, it'll be there in the morning. It'll be there. And sure, if there's a super emergency, sure, we'll take the call. But most people know that after 9.30, they don't call me, and my, my family don't call me after 9.30. You know why? Because I have put a boundary around my family. My wife knows that at a certain point, she's going to have all of my attention. You guys understand what I'm talking about? Put a boundary around date night. Listen, go out with your wife and spend time with them. Don't let everything take away from that. Don't put a boundary around your kids. Love your kids and, and say, you know, I'm going to protect my kids because I'm not going to let anything become more of a priority than them. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. It's important that we protect our priorities. You know, when I remember when I was sharing this to my, to my, my campus at, at, at Baker, I began to talk about the 930 thing, and I began to sense people getting mad at me because um, they didn't like the fact that I said, you can't call me after 930. And you know what I told them? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because my family is more important. And, I, if, and listen, if my marriage falls apart, then you're really going to be mad at me, right? So I have got to protect my priorities. Number two. Change your people. Hmm. Change your people. 
You know, the one alteration to the equation of this whole thing was that Jesus got into Simon's boat. Jesus stepped into his boat. And as I talk just for the next few minutes, I want you to reflect on the relationships that you have in your life. Think about the people that are in your life. You know, there are some relationships that are that you're responsible for. That's your family and kids, family members, those type of things. But then from there, who else is in your life? Think about your friends and the people that are close to you. Who, who gets your spare time? One of my questions is, is Jesus one of those relationships? Yes, I know oftentimes we know him and, and, and we talk about it. Maybe we even come to church and we worship on Sunday mornings, which is awesome. But do we have a relationship with Jesus? And one of the things I love about Cedar House Church is that it's not about a, a program or what have you. What, what I love about Cedar House is that they're focused on getting you closer to Jesus. That's why, why worship is, goes a little bit deeper. Why? Because they would rather you get closer to Jesus than anything else because we know that he can change your life. Can I get an amen? amen? But think about this. Think about your relationships. There's some quotes I looked up. and First quote I saw was that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about those five people. Who are you with? Who are you hanging out with? That's You're right in the middle there. Another quote is a quote that you've heard before. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right? The last one is one of my favorites, that if you want to fly with eagles, you can't hang out with turkeys. <laughs> yeah. Think about the people that you're hanging out with. You know, it actually even goes deeper than that. It even deals with your network. I found this too. This is, this is important. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about like some things that you maybe deal with or some stuff that goes on. You know, I was looking this up and I saw this. It says that obesity, if your friend gains weight, stay with me on this. If your friend gains weight, you have a 45% chance that you'll gain weight. This is your friend. I'm talking about your close friend. Now, if a friend of your friend gains weight, you have a 20% chance that you'll gain weight. And then if a friend of a friend gains weight, you have a 10% chance of gaining weight. So you guys can tell what kind of friends I'm hanging out with right now. Okay? It's just the people that are you close to. Think about smoking. If a friend smokes, you have a 61% chance that you will smoke. That's about right. Because you think about it, your friend's there, and it's just like, oh, man, come on, you just take a cigarette, man. Just, and you're sitting there like, I don't even really smoke. But before, before you know it, you got a cigarette in your mouth and you're smoking. You're sitting there, you're going, why am I even doing this? I don't even smoke. Right? Have you ever been doing something and you realize, why do I even do this? Like, this is not me. Come on, I know, I know we got some real sanctified people in here and some people who serve the Lord. But have you ever been doing something and found yourself going, I don't do this? I don't, I don't do that. Why, why do I have this in my hand? Why am I doing this? It's just because your friend did it. The person around you. Now, if a friend of a friend smokes, you have a 29% chance that you'll smoke. But then if a friend of a friend smokes, you have an 11% chance. Where am I going with this? It's the people that you're around, they affect what you do. So you have to be careful. And I know that when we start doing an assessment of our friends, listen, we love our friends. We love our people that, that are close to us. But listen, 
If you want to go higher with God, if you want to have progression in, in your ministry and what God is taking you, you have to have the right people around you. It's important. That's why I tell young people all the time, listen, do an assessment of the people around you. What kind of grades are they making? What, what, are they getting in trouble in school? Well, that's just my boy. Yeah, but is your boy at getting suspended all the time? Guess what's going to happen? You end up getting suspended. Oftentimes, I, I tell you this. When I went to another school, I won't name the school. Before I went to Woodlawn, I graduated from Woodlawn High School. I'm talking about this one right here. Come on now. Woodlawn Panther, baby. Before I went to Woodlawn, I came to Woodlawn in 10th grade. So I went 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. That's where I graduated from. Before I went there, I was in 9th grade at another school. I won't name the school. But at that school, I remember having a bunch of friends who were not serving God, who was not doing anything. I'm not saying the friends at Woodlawn were serving God either, but I'm just saying. But these guys were just in trouble all of the time. And you know what? I found myself in trouble all of the time. Always in the principal's office, always in something, always involved in something, always in, in, in detention after school. I remember when I came to Woodlawn, I got around some guys, and I remember I was in the band, and I remember I missed band practice because I had detention. And I remember our guys came up to me, and he was like, dude, I said, hey, man, I won't be at practice this afternoon because... Um, you know, I've got detention. And all my guys at the other school, all, they all knew that was to just be the norm. But when I got to Woodlawn, the guy went, man, what in the world are you doing in detention? I said, well, I was late for class. Why are you late for class? I said, well, I, I don't know. He said, well, bro, you need to get to class on time because when you miss practice, you don't know what we're supposed to be doing and you affect the whole team. So let's not tolerate this anymore. Yes, sir. This dude was like a senior, and I was in 10th grade. And you know what? I never went back to the office ever again, never had detention ever again, ne never missed a practice ever again, all the way until my senior year. Why? Because I changed the people I was around. You guys catch what I'm talking about? So we have to change our people. This is important for us. Now, can I go a little bit deeper? All your friends provoking you to good works and to, 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 to accountability. You know, it's, it's important not to have the wrong people around you, but I, my question is, is, do you have the right people around you? Are the people around you pushing you closer towards the Lord? Because even after I became saved, I began to realize, you know what, I can still have people around me that are not pushing me to get closer to Jesus. Right? I can have people around me who are saved as well, but they're not reading their Bible. They're not coming to worship nights. They're not, they're not a part of the parenting conference. They're not doing any of those things. They're just kind of doing their thing. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to go closer to the Lord. I don't want to stay in the same place that I was in last year. I want to be closer to God this year than I was last year. Is there anybody like that in the room today? That, that want to be a little bit deeper, that, that wants more from God, you have to have people who say, hey, look, I don't know what you're doing Tuesday night, but I'm going to worship night, and I'm going to sit in this presence. Yeah. Yeah, I know we could go to this thing over here, but I think I'm going to go and learn more about the Lord and go to this men's meeting and, and sit there at 630 in the morning, drink some coffee, and talk about the Lord. I think I'm going to do that. That's what I would encourage you to do. Get around the right people. I know this is good teaching right here. I'm going to tell my own self, amen. Mm. Come on, Wayne. 
Number three, change your position. Change your position. Now, the Bible says that some of the priests all, I mean, he had fished all night, didn't find anything. And Jesus told me, he says, I want you to push out and go out where it's deeper. You're not deep enough. The place that you're in, you need to go a little bit deeper. I remember reading that and being reminded of a story. Pastor Jonathan, who was my pastor, Pastor Jonathan Stockstill, loves to fish, loves to hunt, loves to do all those things. I like sports, but I'm not a big sportsman guy that loves to do all those things. But my pastor wants to do it, I'll do it. So he told a whole pastoral staff, he said, hey, we're going deep sea fishing. And so he rented a big boat. We went down, we got a camp. Went down to Port Fouchon, and we woke up early at 4.30 in the morning. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Got up early, got on the boat, took our Dramamine, and <laughs> heading out. And I remember sitting on the boat. They said it's going to be about a two-and-a-half-hour boat ride to get where we were going. And I remember sitting on the boat just quiet, and a bunch of guys kept come up to me, and they were like, hey, Wayne, you okay, man? Are you sick? Are you seasick? I said, no, dude, it's 4.30 in the morning. That's why I'm not talking. I'm fine. It's 4.30 in the morning. And I remember us going out, and we got way out into the Gulf. And all of a sudden, the guy said, all right, we're where we need to be. He said, okay, you can go ahead and start getting your rides out. You can go ahead and start fishing right now. And he put us right over some red snapper. And we begin to drop our nets. And I'm talking about in minutes, seconds, all of a sudden we start catching stuff. And all of a sudden, this guy who went from sleepy, my eyes woke up at that point. Because now I was like, oh, my gosh, we're catching stuff. I don't, see, I'm not used to fishing and catching stuff. I'm used to just hanging out, right? But we were catching stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And, I mean, I was catching things. I was throwing, and, I mean, I caught fish out the fish. I think I actually got a picture. Can we put that picture up on the, yeah, that's me right there. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. And, look, I didn't make that picture up. This is real. And look at that smile on my face, man, when I got out there and I caught something, right? And we, I mean, we, exceed, we got to our limit in the matter of, like, 15 minutes. I mean, we just had stuff going. We, it was awesome. But what am I getting from there? You can take the picture down now. It's, it's awesome. Where am I going with that? We had to go where it was deep to get that. See, if we had stood on the shore, we wouldn't have caught fish like that. Ooh, this is good right here. If I would have just stood right there on the shore, I wouldn't have caught that red snapper because those kind of fish don't lurk around the shore. You have to go out where it's deep. You have to change your position. See, oftentimes we like things that are familiar around us, but we keep doing the same things that are familiar around us and expecting different results. So in order to get something different, you're saying, you know what, God, I want to go a little bit deeper in you. God, I want more from you. I want more from your word. Well, guess what? You're going to have to change your position. And so I said, I'm going to start doing something a little bit different. Maybe I'm going to get up a little bit earlier in the morning and see God. 
Maybe, I, I, maybe I'm just going to even change where I'm doing my devotions at right now. And I'm going to go to a different place so I can seek the Lord and get something from him. You know, the things that are safe to you, the things that are normal around you, you may have to shift some of those things up a little bit. Maybe you used to go into the, to the grocery store and uh, to the gas station, and every time you go there, you buy a lottery ticket, right? Just every time you go, just boop, give me two lottery tickets. But you know what? Maybe you ought to shift that up a little bit and say, maybe I'll save that money and put that towards something else and let God bless me and show me how to steward my money instead of waiting on some kind of big blessing from God. Come on, CC, say amen. That's my wife. She's over in Baker. You know what? Maybe you used to going and hanging out with the guys and bowling with the guys and doing some stuff, but, you know, it's the wrong environment, and you know it is. Hey, shift that position. Change that environment. Get around the right people. You know, the Bible says that Jacob had to leave his home. The Bible says that Moses left Egypt. Elijah crossed the desert. Things shifted in their life. Paul became blind. Something changed in his life, and it caused him to shift. My encouragement to you is to go out a little bit deeper. My challenge to you today is have a little bit more faith and let your faith go a little bit deeper and believe God for something great this year. Can somebody say amen? amen. Finally, number four, we have to change our purpose. You know, it really was not a no fish, no fish problem for Peter. That, that was really not the issue. It was that he had the wrong calling. It wasn't that he wasn't supposed to be fishing. It was that God had something bigger for him. He had a bigger purpose. He had a bigger why. And you know what? What happened is, is when he came in contact with Jesus, Jesus began to shift his purpose. Why? Why do you, you go to work? Why do you do what you do? See, there's a difference and, and I remember being in Bible college and, and this guy taught us, he said, there's a difference. There's a difference between purpose and function. He said, your function is that you have to go to work. But work is not your purpose. That's not why you exist. I exist and I, and I go to work so I can have money so I can accomplish my purpose. God didn't place you here just to be a business person. Praise God for what you do. But God placed you here so you can advance the kingdom of God. You have a bigger purpose. And once you start connecting your life to that purpose that God has created you to do, oh my gosh, fulfillment goes through the roof. Joy goes through the roof. Pastor Stacy was talking about joy. You know why you get joy? It's when you start knowing I am doing exactly what God has called me to do. And when you start doing that, listen, I, I've worked a lot of different jobs. When I stepped into what I'm doing now, it doesn't matter how much money I make. All I know is that I'm fulfilling my purpose. And when I go to bed at night, I go to bed at night with a smile on my face. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited to get out of bed. Why? It's not because of a job. It's because I'm connected to my purpose. God created me to do what I'm doing right now. And I know it. And you couldn't talk me out of it if you wanted to. And when you connect to that, that's what people live their life trying to do, trying to figure out what the purpose is. 
There's a bigger why. My prayer for you today is that you begin to try to figure out what is that thing that God has called me to do? Not just what am I doing, but there is a calling for you. And my prayer today is that you begin to connect to it. You know, a lot of people know what the Great Commission is. They know what it is. But the difference is, are they connected to it? Are they doing it? To go into all the earth to make disciples. That's the question. It's your purpose. Now, finally, as I close, I'm going to put something on the screen. This is a formula that we put together that I want you to see. The right priorities plus the right people plus the right position plus the right purpose will equal progress. You start getting these things in order. You say, you know, I got to get my priorities right. Yeah, I've got to get around the right people. I've got to get in the right position. And I got to connect to my purpose. I'm telling you, something's going to begin to shift in your life. And my prayer is maybe the next time I see you, which I don't know when that will be, but maybe the next time I see you, you've started to align some of these things in, in, in where they need to be. And all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing God do something. Maybe you're at a place where you feel like, man, I'm great. I'm awesome. Fantastic. But I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to make progress. I've been in ministry for 20 plus years, and I'm still trying to make progress. I'm still trying to get better. I'm still trying to grow, go deeper. I'm still trying to get closer to God. Because I know that there is more for me. So my prayer for you is that you begin to do these things and position yourself for progress. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much for your time and just listening to me. If you would bow your head and close your eyes. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're at a place where things are great. And I'm so happy for you. But maybe you're at a place where you're thinking, hmm, I've been feeling a little stuck. Maybe I didn't even realize it until this guy came here today and began to talk about it. But I believe that the Lord sent me here with this word for you. And you want some things to shift in your life. Things are not bad, but you just want some things to shift. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your priorities. Maybe it's the people you're hanging around. Maybe it's your faith. Your faith needs to go a little bit deeper. Maybe the Lord's been challenging you to step out and do something and you've been hesitant, not been flexible. I don't know what it is, but I do know the Lord sent me here to say these words. So for my prayer for you today is that you receive it if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come up front or do anything like that. I, I just want to know who I'm praying for. 
before I take my seat. That you, any of these areas resonate with you. You say, I, I feel like I need to move and shift some things. That you, will you just lift your hand right where in your seat, just right where you're at, just so I can know who I'm praying for? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all over the room. Thank you. I appreciate you. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Let me pray for you. So, God, I thank you for every hand lifted, every per person in this room that they're recognizing that there's, there's something that needs to shift in their life. God, I pray, Father, that you begin to do it. Only you can do it. I pray that you would step into their boat just like you stepped into Simon's boat. And God, the moment you stepped in his boat, something shifted in his life. He began to recognize who he was. and There was an illumination that happened on the inside of him. The Holy Spirit began to do something in him. And God, I pray that you would begin to do the same thing in all of our lives. Step in our boat. Step in our boat. Begin to lead us. Begin to guide us. I pray all week long that people would think about this word and begin to assess where they're at with their relationship with you and with their relationships around them. And Are they connected to their purpose? There are going to be some people, God, I thank you. There are going to be some people who are going to start saying, you know what, I'm going to start prioritizing the Lord more than I have before. God, I thank you you get all the glory and all the praise for what you're doing in Jesus name amen amen thanks for listening to the sermon of the week for more information about this podcast and other resources visit cedarhousechurch.com.